Welcome back to Ghostly Talk. This is Scott L. <laughs> this is Amber. How's your day going, Amber? I don't like it. It's snowing. Why and don't you like it? Because I can't stand snow, especially Why? Well, you got, got a 12. chauffeur. Why are you so worried nope, about nope, it? No, no, no. Scott was my knight in shining armor because on Monday, Detroit got, it was this endless light snow falling. It mm. never stopped. It was really a mess. It never it stopped. And then it was at that temperature where it just kind of turned it into like a, a squishy, sloppy mess. And then the temperature just dipped overnight to turn it like into ice. Yeah. So my job is only nine miles away from where we live. And it took us about an hour and 15 minutes to get there. And then you had to drive back, which was like another hour and a half because you had to stop at the pet store. And I felt bad. Feel my blood pressure rising again. But who knows? I my my I could have died. So I'm here. How the hell are you gonna die? We sat there in traffic the entire time. I don't you know. Ba- we barely we didn't get over because we didn't I get over ten miles an hour. I don't feel like I know would know how to handle my car if it really did spin out. Like I, I feel like I'd just be like, Take the wheel, Jesus, and like let go. Like I don't know. And then just yeah. close my eyes and, and hope like for a good outcome. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I want to. This is the one time of the year I would like a monster truck. Yeah, that that kind of sucked last night, and just everything. It, yeah, that was some bizarre weather because it, it just, it, it just, just was never aggressive stopped. Snow, and, oh and then, and then the weather reports were like this snowstorm's overachieving because it was only supposed to be like three yeah, to five. That. Yeah, we saw three that to five inches, and they're like, this is an overachiever. <laughs> yeah. I, you're we, doing we, too well, snowstorm. Stop it. We noticed, You're bragging. Yeah, yeah, we noticed that it was an overachieving <laughs> storm. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't like it. And yes, when we were coming home last night, some person in the neighborhood already had their damn Christmas tree right in their picture window. And I'm like, that person, that person, that's the reason why yeah. this happened. Which, of course, that's been kind of a meme on Facebook. Like, this is what happens. It's getting cold because of all you people and your Christmas stuff coming out right after Halloween. Well, yeah. So, yeah, Amber's been having a hard time. I'm still trying to get over this. I'm still coffee. You're coffee? Well, yeah, I'm coffee. Coffee? I had a couple of coughs during the show, too. I'm sorry about that again. I'm I'm trying. You had a legit cold. That was the first time I ever noticed. Like, in case you're intrigued about Scott's. I don't know what, what is this? <laughs> how we get sick in heels. I don't know what to call it, <laughs> but you seem to get colds and they're gone in like one day. It's weird. Yeah, this was like been going on for and, a few and weeks. And this was now. one this where sucks. you're like, <laughs> like coughing all night. I'm like, that's unusual. Usually, yeah. usually I'm the one like, <laughs> like freaking out, coughing, can't breathe. You're trying to get me to do that nasal spray, which I won't do. I don't do that anymore. Ugh. I take my Flonase. It's like I'm drowning myself. I can't like lid. Like I cannot spray. Yeah water up my nose and breathe in but yeah i've been still coughing a little bit here and there it's getting sometimes better, but... just certain things well this just damn weather just changes though too and it's well, all dried it's, out it's well and it's gonna go back up to like 50 yeah good so that's gonna feel tropical off. yeah i you know it's typical michigan whatever yeah. this um show we did tonight yeah, so this is Man, um, wow yeah i'm you know you take on the, the next you take episode the wheel of project st peter yeah you take the wheel on this one well, we're just continuing this ongoing series with this is our second installment. Keith Clark yeah. uh, from iDigital Medium about Project St. Peter. So if you if you're if you didn't go back, go back and listen to the first one. We'll we're gonna we'll, link it. We'll have the links in the description, and um, if you actually go to our physical website, what's that? 
Uh, of course, there will be all. We do have a website. We do. Ghostlytalk.com. Most people use the apps, but there are a few people that I know. I can just tell from statistics well, that go to the website. Speaking of statistics, hey, wait, yeah. I got three shout outs. Oh, okay. Albuquerque, New Mexico. All right. Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, well, far out. And I don't know if I'm saying this right. Euclair. 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 Euclair, Euclair. <laughs> Wisconsin. All right. Those are our top three people this week. And I always like to look at that just to see um, who's listening. Our, our number one, if I did stats on the whole year, yeah. Las Vegas. Awesome. We're coming for you, Las Vegas, yeah, we in are August. Coming. Yeah, we're coming next year. We're going to be in Vegas. Um, I will be at a casino somewhere. But yeah, just for the, those of you guys that anyway, listen to us, well, you guys, you guys that so, listen to us, hang on. I was well, I, we, we, I was going to go back and say I don't want to forget that what? I know our first show we were probably like a little bit all over the place, but what show? And it's a long one. Our first project, St. Peter, okay, it was like a two-hour yeah. show. Well, this one's trying long to unwrap too. this strange project that's. It's kind of hard to put into words sometimes what exactly is going on. But Keith really did a good job on his little intro on on this episode, I think, giving it a concise little explanation about what this whole thing is all about. Yeah, he did. Um, but I want to go back and mention this to those of you guys who listen to us on all the apps and stuff like that. We do have a website. And as I said before, it's ghostlytalk.com. And the reason I mention this is, yeah, we put all the new shows on the on the streaming platforms and all the podcast crap that's out there. Amber deals with all that. Uh, but we also do have all of our old archives from the first run of the show. Um, and that's all up for free download. And that, you really can't get that. Yeah, so um, we, we mentioned like Spiricom and Dr. Stephen Rourke on the show. And you can go and find all this stuff those old episodes. Old and we'll probably, I don't know if there's a need to link to those specifically no. for this but you, you can guys, we got a search function on the website that's why you go to the website you can i think find you have yourself. to go to each year and then search that page and then go to the next year no you can no 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 you can do a search on the home page and it'll take it'll take you to any really any hits. absolutely oh, I do it all the time that. whenever i need to reference something oh, that's more sophisticated it, that's than I, I thought it yeah, was yeah yeah so oh. that's out there but yeah we did uh, <laughs> as we mentioned uh keith j Clark. okay i'm just my voice is gone um, Keith Clark mentioned Amber, take the wheel again. Just take the wheel. I, I can't keep Keith doing this. Keith Clark did a great job introducing Project St. Peter. So it's a good refresher and it's just a fun little exploration with Keith kind of going through these documents that are part of this. And this that were lectures. They were lectures that were being channeled. Yeah. And I and I, I made some notes about the things Keith said, like that it was rare. This is rare channeled material. So if you're if you're someone like me who's really into historical paranormal stuff and history when it comes to this realm, I'm a geek for this kind of stuff because it is lost and forgotten. And he mentioned that if you Google Project St. Peter, his website will come up first, and that just goes to show you how obscure it is. Yeah. Because. Why don't we let yeah. Keith yeah, we'll explain shut up this to us? In this episode of Project St. Peter, we talk about Dr. Albert Einstein, the Book of Life, the Space Shuttle Challenger, the Pleiades, the difference of time between Earth and Heaven, what happens when a person dies, laser beams in the gigahertz range, Native Americans and their view of creation of the world by the Great Spirit, DNA, and mind reading. Coming out of a bunker in Michigan, goes the 
Keith, welcome back to Ghostly Talk. Thank you again for taking some time to talk to us. And the reason that you're here again is we, as we promised from before we had you on before, we were discussing this entity, no pun intended, uh, called Project St. Peter, correct? And um, we decided we kind of, just to recap on our side at least, I know we're going to recap on your side a little bit too, Uh, we had a conversation months ago about this and we talked about kind of doing like a multi-part discussion on this and this would be part two that we're doing right now just so people know um what we'll do i think when we post this show every time we post one of these i think we'll make a nice list for people on the post so they can refer back we'll put a link to all the old shows just so there's a nice little one-stop place for people to go for that um Mm -hmm. amber i think amber can make that magic happen she's the the web goddess here so um (laughs) so we'll do that to kind of keep people you know so they're not searching all over the website and stuff like that so that's what we're doing with this thing. I would, however, if you're cool with that, Keith, I'd like to do a very brief recap from part one, which we made a million little hilarious puns before we started recording this about already. But, I mean, as far as, you know, last time our heroes were <laughs> or something like that. But really, in seriousness, like, let's let's recap just very briefly about what we discussed and, you know, what this whole thing is, because we're still very early in the process of this. By all means, uh, thank you very much for the intro, and it's good to be back. Yeah. I kind of feel like I'm going to Sunday school. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and I'll learn and evolve as we go. So I'm Keith Clark from the iDigital Media website. I'm also attached to the ITC Bridge website, and we also have a special announcement today about all of this. So I'm an experimenter in instrumental transcommunication, but I also spend a lot of my time organizing uh, and networking with people. And one of my hobbies is preservation of uh, historical data. So the MetaScience Foundation was an organization that existed for about 20 years, two decades. And their sole purpose was to research life after death, spirituality, and communication with spirit. A lot of people have heard of Spiritcom. Spiritcom was their most well-known project, but it was only one of the first, and it barely even scratched the surface. So in 1986, which is what this whole series is about, it happened in 1986 and 1987. This is about three quarters of the way through the MetaScience Foundation's existence. Their entire staff of MetaScience employees was working to create what they called an advanced system of communication. The plan was to send information from heaven to earth to help mankind in our evolution. The teams included 53 well-known or famous, we would call them famous, personalities in heaven or paradise or whatever you like to refer to it as. They were referred to as Lifeline or Alpha Celestial Unit 1. I know it kind of sounds like a (laughs) sci-fi novel. (laughs) The way they were receiving their information was through a telepathic medium, so a person that channeled information. The technical efforts were guided by a team of people in spirit referred to as Science 7 team. Somewhere along the way, this project ended. <coughs> or did it? We don't really know. And one of the exciting things about this is, at, is as we dig into this more and more, we learn more and more. And this is the road twists and turns, and you never know what you're going to find. 
All we do know is that this material has never been published. In fact, at one point, it was some of the material was almost all burned. It was almost burned, thrown into a pile, and burned. So we'll get to that later on in the series. Uh, the reason why we're doing this is because this material is rare. It's believed to be channeled information. At least it's how it's presented. And we're just going to look at it objectively and say, here it is. Here's what they're saying. What do we think it means? Does it mean anything? And we're just going to go through this story and, and see what happens as it twists and turns. Yeah. Um, there's, there's information that relates to science, relates to thermodynamics, relates to time translation, or some would say time travel, feedback loops, lasers, uh, other, H, other life forms and civilizations within the universe. Universes, uh, plural. And that is the intro. So in part one... This is we're going to refer to this as radio show two, I guess, because oh, I don't yeah. want to confuse people. Because yeah. Project St. Peter had at least fourteen laboratory classes, meaning uh, people came into a room, the telepathic medium stood in the room, this person would channel these spirit communicators, and would give lectures, kind of like if you were in college sitting in a big room, we give lectures on um, how exactly building this infrastructure of communication uh, would happen, the right way to go about it, and there are spiritual truths, there are, like I said, truths about science. We're here because I've seen things in this material that, yeah, remember, this material is over 33 years old. Yeah, I've seen items in this material that indicate uh, zero-point energy, that indicate uh, multiple universes, um, and there's a lot of it's it's easy enough to read, but many many people might not have the patience. So I began writing sort of a companion guide. It's not up yet, but it will be at the end of this radio show. So as we go, and each time we have a radio show, we go through page by page by page. So far, we've only scanned 500 pages, and we're not even halfway through. Oh my god! So that is the intro. I mean, um, I have a feeling that this is going to become sort of a cult classic in a sense, uh, that it's, this is, I'm not going to, you know, it's not for me to judge and say whether it would be like the, the, the Jane Roberts, Seth materials or anything like that, but when reading this material, I was just convicted, and it's so compelling that it was either the greatest fraud ever perpetrated to mankind, or there is some truth in it, and even, if even some of this is true, it's much more exciting and interesting than most people could imagine. And that's the intro. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, as, you, as you're talking about this, we spent, and I think we mentioned this in our first part of this discussion, that we spent a lot of time in the old days of this show studying Spiritcom, discussing it, kind of just digging for stuff here and there. And one of the things that went through my mind, the exact same as right now with Project St. Peter is like you like you said, I mean, and the same thing applies to Spiritcom. It could have been a very it could have been one of the greatest hoaxes ever pulled, right? Right. But if it wasn't, and this applies exactly to Project St. Peter, why are we just sitting here? <laughs> I, I, I don't know any other way to say it. Like Faced with something like this, if it is real, 
right? I mean, that's all I can say. If it's if it's the real deal, if this is really happening, if this was a project that was really done. It, sure. It's, well, the, I mean, the, the first issue I think is 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 human nature. Well, we weren't there, and we can't go out and verify it right now. So there's a part of us I think that that wonders. Well, first, let me back up. First of all, mm. nobody ever knew about it. So that's the first. Yeah. The second reason is we don't know how much of it is legitimate. Um, I could tell you that some of the amazing things about this, I just calculated this a minute ago. We know for a fact that employees were working at least 350 hours a week, all the combined employees, the staff of MetaScience in 1986. Mm. If you look at that over a year period, that's 15,000 hours. Now, that's quite a lot of time to, <laughs> to take and invest in something that is just uh, somebody telling stories or mm. fantasies. Well, yeah. I, mean, it seems, I think. I think so. Yeah, I mean, I agree 100% with that. I mean, it seems like, well, yeah, just time invested. It's as simple as that. But yeah, my whole thought thing, just getting things started here, has been that since we started tonight was I'm still beside myself that, and you just, I mean, I think you just explained that though too, like people didn't know about it. So people, you know, that's, that's the biggest problem here is that this was this it was a secret. It was classified. I don't know, but people just didn't it, know about it. It was classified. They, okay. they actually said the word classified. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go. At, at the time that it came out, this was, you know, 33 years ago, they said this needs to be private. They actually explicitly said, this is not for fun. It's not for science. Now, some people might say, why would they say it's not for science? Well, they were saying science is a discipline. It's something that we use as a, as a tool or a, a methodology that we use to accomplish something. They were saying this is beyond that. This is, this is a higher aspirations and ideals than just simply trying to figure something out. Uh, these lessons are presented as um, is I think, think of a better way to say it rather than dumbed down, you know, if you will. Yeah. They took principles that even, you know, such as gravity and things like that and are trying to explain them in ways that even I could understand. I don't understand, though, and I'm not looking for an answer, mm -hmm. but why they would not consider this science. It's, it's, I'm sorry, go ahead. Sure, no, not at all. Well, I have a feeling, here's what's happening. This is my intuition now kicking in because mm -hmm. I'm developing that quite a bit over the years. <laughs> I think history is repeating itself. You know, say something happens, war comes, people have war, they either learn the lesson from the war or the conflict or they don't. You know, not, not that it's always war. Yeah. But we cycle through war, you know, peace, war. There's, there's human cycles. I think that MetaScience Foundation you know, they were actually the longest, one of the longest standing institutions and one of the first related to ITC. And we don't even know what they did. We just think it's all reduced down to, to one guy you know, who worked with Spiricon, Bill O'Neill, yeah. and whether or not he was, he was real or not. But that's, that's actually like saying, you know, I know one guy at IBM, the whole company stinks. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you already like said, too, that Spiricom... Yeah, it, it was just scratching the surface. And just by talking with you the first time about this, it's clear that this is a much bigger spectrum, I guess, of study. 
It Good. is. And, and, you know, there are actually points where I'm reading, while I'm reading this Project St. Peter, it actually appears to me that they knew it was going to not be out in the open or it was going to be suppressed or it was going to have cycles of here it is and now it's not around and then here it comes back. Yeah. I think it's coming back at this point in time because I think the time is right for um, people to come together and, and proceed. And it's inspiration. It's in, more than anything else. It doesn't particularly matter. We don't want people going out trying to build lasers and you know shoot their eyes out. Yeah. <laughs> which is something I would do. <laughs> but, um, but the principles that are given in this uh, are valid. And I, I guess it's time for an exciting announcement. So yeah. Myself, from iDigital Medium and ITC Bridge and Faces and Sound, Tim Woolworth from ITC Voices and Paranormal Study, Jeremy Michael Bloxham, who has helped us with all these efforts, Paranormal Study, ITC Voices. We all know each other. We're all friends. We all work together. We are passionate enough about MetaScience that over the years we have cultivated good relationships with the different people who were in possession of materials uh, historical materials related to metascience. As a result, we're bringing Metascience Foundation back. And we are in discussions right now, and there are plans in place to do a fundraiser to literally go get half of a warehouse full of metascience materials, digitize <laughs> it, archive it, store it, and put it on the web so everybody can view it. Yeah. Not only that, it's our intention to all three of us work on this same effort. We all work on different efforts, and we're kind of spread out thin. But this will be an effort, MetaScience Foundation, it is our intention for it to be sort of the, the top of the structure, the top of the food chain, the one website that all the information uh, goes to. Yeah. <laughs> That's exciting. And, and I'm sure you know that this is a, a mountainous task you're taking on, you guys are taking on together. Uh, but I know, I mean, you know that, and I think I know for a fact that you guys are ready for that, though, too. You wouldn't be getting into this if, if you guys didn't want to take on this this work, which is yeah, going to be a lot of know, work. That, that, yeah, that's a weird human characteristic when you look start to analyze it, the psychological. Like, why would somebody do that? Why would I stress myself out? And essentially, what happens is there's a half a warehouse of material that's sitting somewhere in Florida, and the previous um, president of MetaScience Foundation is not uh, easily accessible. He, he's not able to access that material. Okay. It doesn't, doesn't live locally. So he's going to arrive here in Florida, and I get to drive up there and assist him in going through this warehouse. Now, I, at first, we just thought, you know, I got a box of Project St. Peter. It was 14 books. I thought it was great. Combined, we already have at least, mm, at least 14 or 15 boxes. And then we were told that there was half a warehouse, which, honestly, yeah, weren't too pleased. I mean, we're, we're happy, but at the same time, shocked. <laughs> so yeah. we're like, okay, we asked to preserve all this information. Now what are we going to do with it? So right. uh, keep on the lookout for that. More will come. Um, so we've got a, a hard set task to get this accomplished. The date is already set in stone. And that is our intention. So we, we hope to bring all this to everybody, and we hope to do it for free. So we're going to ask for help creating the website and whatnot, the funds, storage, all that good stuff. Yeah, great. And I, I am already said that. That's very exciting. And we're, of course, right behind you guys, and we're here to support you guys any way we can, too. 
from Ghostly Talk. You know that, and that's something we will. I'm sure we'll chat about down the road. Yeah, <laughs> should we? Yeah, should, I mean, we should do like part of the fundraiser. Should be making like T-shirts or something that say Science Team Seven. <laughs> like make them look cool. Like yeah, I don't know. Totally. I would. I would wear the hell out of that. Yeah, totally. So, what? Go ahead, Keith. Oh, that's okay. Perhaps we could just jump right into yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to say, um, let's let's dive into this because, and we, you know, with the document that we have here, and we're just kind of kind of just be walking through this like we did last time. Mm-hmm. Um, we start um, on page thirty-three now, um, and you haven't noted thirty-eight. I don't know if it's you have you have page thirty-three mm-hmm. and then 30, 38 italics. Mm-hmm. So the reason why is. Um, they were so meticulous. Metascience Foundation was so meticulous in their record keeping. Yeah, they numbered every page by hand. And you got to ask, why did they do that? Mm-hmm. Um, they. It appears that, and there's references to this later on. It appears that uh, they were concerned, or they, you know, the impression is that they were concerned about pieces of it going missing with nobody knowing what was where, and they wanted to keep track of it. So, mm-hmm. I. As we go, we're combining all the PDFs into one big PDF. You know, we're not going to say, here, go download 15 PDFs. We're mm. going to keep compiling it, and it's also searchable. So you can type in Orion or, you know, IBM, yeah. and it'll show you every entry in that. Um, so the reason is the first page number is the page that they hand wrote. Yeah. The second is actually which number in the PDF. Okay. So yeah. I'm going to... I'd like, like to go ahead and take the lead on this. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. If, it's all if you. If I may, I'll make sure. the job easier for you. Yeah, no problem. So, My voice is shot, so go right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so this is like diving into, uh, you know, the Gospels and the Bible, it, kind of in a way. As I read it, I feel compelled to explain sometimes. I, I make keynotes. I, I mean, I make words, notes, yeah. keywords, so that we can find it later on. I'm just going to begin... The last uh, radio show ended with President John F. Kennedy telepathically channeled through this medium, addressing a room full of approximately 21 people with representatives from the U.S. government, IBM, Lilly, Squibb, um, the Fetzer Foundation, a couple others. And the purpose of this meeting is to explain to them every th- the reason why they're there, the reason why they are offering these corporate entities the ability to um, basically support the project, to to fund it. And President John F. Kennedy addressed everybody and talked about the need for peace, the reason why this project is in place, which is, of course, to help mankind to evolve. It's not to give mankind, you know, a laser beam that's going to make all his wishes come true. (laughs) It's It's to filter information through to multiple organizations and branches. For example, if there is a special invention that will change the way solar panels work, you know, they would send that through and that might go to a science or engineering department. If they learn something new about volcanoes and when they're going to erupt, they would send information through and that would go to the Weather Bureau or something you know, similar. And so the whole point of this was to set up an infrastructure that was large the information would come through. And I got to admit, it was, you know, knowing what I know today, it certainly seemed very courageous on their part uh, to go ahead and attempt something like that. So, mm-hmm. and the, the address in part one ended with President John F. Kennedy actually mentioning other civilizations in the universe. They are a part of this project. 
And right now, we'll go ahead and begin and jump into part two. Well, that wasn't bad. It almost took a half hour just to do a recap. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, part two. I'm just going to roll through this. And you guys, if you find a point that you find interesting that we can expand on, let's go ahead and do it. Absolutely. Okay, so page 33. <clears throat> Keep in mind, there's going to be over 1,000 pages. So we're really rolling through this. Yeah. <laughs> President John F. Kennedy says it's a big job, but too much information for any one individual person to bring through. Messages would be sent to the Weather Bureau, among, among other organizations. Let's see, page 34. There are a lot of terms that are mentioned in this that are very interesting. Some of them seem outdated. One of them is called the Divine Corridor of Light. Now, I know how you know when people transition or die, we always talk about seeing a tunnel of light. In this project, it's described as a registry which maintains physical life upon planet Earth, and truth and knowledges are sent to mankind through this corridor of light. Now, you know, the word registry was interesting. I thought it was an interesting choice of words, and I noticed they very carefully selected their words. Here in a second, we'll find that, that registry uh, seems to indicate DNA to some point. Registry, um, in this context, seems to indicate that the divine quarter of light is the blueprint or the map that maps out everything and makes everything work together and makes it all solid, I guess. It's the glue that holds physical matter together. Okay. And that's probably the best I could go at trying to explain that. There is mention of Dr. Albert Einstein um, reincarnate or incarnating when he brought his knowledge to the world this past particular life. <clears throat> then there are a couple examples of what I think appear could be mind reading. Okay, so the telepathic medium is up here giving, you know, channeling the spirit communicator. And they'll say something and then they say, oh, no, no, Mr. Smith. It's not what you think, Mr. Smith. It's actually this reason. And so I, as I read this, I say, well, how did that, what are they reacting to? Did they read their mind? Did the person have an expression on their face or was it something else? Because also the medium was sensitive to light. And so most of the time she would wear, you know, those things you wear over your eyes when you try to go to sleep. Yeah. Was, would wear those or dark sunglasses uh, because she was sensitive to the light. So there's a bunch of different, I make notes of all these different odd things that occur. Giving an address, it appears they, might be answering people's questions without them even stating the questions, okay, which is chalk one point up for probably legitimate spirit, spirit communication. Mm. Let's see. They mentioned World War One, World War Two, Korea, and Vietnam. And they, because apparently somebody in the audience was thinking, God is in control of, of us. And the JFK, through the medium, said, if God is in control of us, what about all the wars? Did God create all the wars? And Good the question. essence of what they were trying to say was, we create all that crap, pretty much. So it's on, it's on humanity. It's on the fleshy beings. On the fleshy. Oh, right. Yeah, it's on us. It's on, it's on people. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's on us dirty bags of water. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. If you're, if you're drinking lots of water. Yeah. You, you, know, you drink it from the tap, in which case you're only half water. Yeah. 
So yeah, I mean, yeah. So I mean that that's what they're saying is that that's a that's a construct of of humans is war. Definitely. Okay. All right, and I would I'll probably read a paragraph here and there. Sure. It went appropriate. Let's see to give a little bit of a feeling. President John F. Kennedy says, was I controlled by anybody? Did I give the impression that I was controlled by anybody when I was live on the earth? Or did I live my truth and speak my truth? And I think most people would agree we feel that he lived his truth. Okay, the divine corridor of energy, it's referred to by a different name now. It's mm -hmm. called the divine corridor of light a minute ago. Mm -hmm is described as being in direct relationship to gravity and gravitational force fields of the earth planes, as well as the registry codes that come from the source of all light. Now, some people are going to find this super interesting. The reason why I highlighted that is because we know now that photons appear to be, um, light appears to be the essence of all physical matter. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's coming to light, <laughs> pun intended, that that appears to be the way things are. When they say registry codes, I'm like, what an odd thing to say. You're standing in front of a group of people and, you, and you're talking about registry codes. And you're basically saying that this uh, corridor of light is related to gravity. Now, I don't know what exactly that means, but I can tell you it's darn interesting. He also referenced how Native Americans, the, they referred to as Indian tribes, were sent truths centuries ago about gravity. They were sent information from people in spirit, you know, in the ways that they understood it. Mm. And they said it was actually misunderstood a little bit. You know, they couldn't, they understood the concept in their own way. So according to legend, uh, it is referenced in here that the Native American legend was that the great spirit created the earth, put it on a swing, and supported it with four major lines. Now, again, I don't know what that means yet because I haven't gotten there, but that the four major lines is the key point that they are saying there's a direct correspondence between the Native American legend of how the earth was created and gravity. And they will come to that at a later point in time. Okay. Laboratory sessions, these classes, these lectures, they also recorded with videotape. They also recorded with videotape the session. And as we get these videotapes, we would, we're, some of these answers are going to be filled in. We're going to understand a little bit more. But they had charts. They had whiteboards. They had chalkboards. They had models of the Apollo aircraft. They had models of the prototype for this laser and dish that they were going to use. And President JFK, who was being channeled through the medium, moves on to astronomy Uh Let's see. I'll skip over that real quick. He says that if spirit people ever favored one person or one group over another, for example, if they said, you know, let's make it about Keith. He's awesome. We like him. Let's just support him. Then the work would become a commercial business and it would be stopped. If a device was operational, it would be silenced due to protocols that are in place to prevent um, things being misguided, kind of like a misguided missile. Let's see. I know this sounds, I need to 
juice this up a little bit. Sounds pretty dry. No, it's <laughs> no. I think don't 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 judge it on the fact that you're not hearing anything from our side here. It's just oh, we're yeah. enthralled with this, <laughs> so <laughs> we're just listening here, which is it, I'm cool with that. <laughs> Sir, yeah, I'm I'm trying I'm trying to make this interesting. I'm I'm evolving as we go. I don't think you have to stories. try, Keith. <laughs> I, I mean, thank you. <laughs> I mean, but I, this is. Oh, all right, I'm going to shut up. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Go ahead. All right. So, President John F. Kennedy. I mean, we've only gone three pages. We're, we're in trouble. Okay. So, <laughs> this divine corridor of light has an energy marker, and it has band wave converter transformer sections in it. So, let's move to the next point. There are also councils. Many people would be interested to know that it was explicitly expressed that there is a hierarchy in heaven, whether you call it heaven or paradise or you know, another universe or another state of mind, another plane of existence. Apparently, there are councils. For example, you know, they're just like the homeowners associations. There are people that are responsible for different sections, different tasks, different things. Which is also indicated by, you know, if it's science team seven, then where were the other six science teams? It indicates that there is a lot much larger structure and organization than we are aware of. It's not just, here we are, this President John F. Kennedy, I'm here coming to you, and that's it. Mm -hmm. It's actually, they're representing uh, the whole of heaven in some regards and other civilizations in other universes. All right, it's not without jokes. Moving on. President John F. Kennedy made a joke, and he says, the stars on the chart indicate various constellations, or they represent them, not literally, but figuratively speaking, that it was not an astrology chart, and they will not send participants horoscopes. <laughs> but <Which, laughs> And JFK said, when he showed the hierarchy, the organizational structure of heaven, the purpose was to show... And this is, quote, just how many bosses we have, end quote, which is pretty interesting. Mm. So they're saying that they're just not individuals that are just hanging out, communicating with us. They have to seek approval for things. They have to uh, plan things. Uh, everything is not just willy-nilly, just, you know, just like it is here. Mm. <clears throat> he also mentions the Pleiades constellations and says that there are 10 either nine or 10 more constellations that was not very specific to me at that point in time let's see of course the purpose of this meeting was to raise funds so president john f kennedy channeled through the telepathic medium was trying to drum up money and trying to get them to be interested enough to want to support this project and but funds and so I could keep it going. All right. The first reference of light years. Yeah. Let's see. So now it starts to get a little more serious. So they have an Apollo missile little model or a prop that they have in the room. They moved it out of the area. Now they wheel in this laser, this uh, what looks like a satellite dish with a laser, and they begin to get a little more serious. So George Meek, who was the founder of Metascience Foundation, and he was the, uh, well, he was the main face. He was the main, main man. He 
receive information from people in spirit over a period of years, and he created this chart called Many Mansions. And yes. It's, it's a, sort of an overlaid, let's see, how would I describe this? Like if you looked at water and you saw ripples, each, the space in between each ripple as you go outwards would be a different vibrational level. They make reference to this chart and indicate that he, it was divinely inspired, uh, inspired, even though George Meek probably did not, yeah, he just he was just searching for answers. But it was divinely inspired, and then they took it and they refined it. Now, as we view the, find the videotapes and digitize them, it would be interesting to see how they modified that chart. And the essence of it was, we're here in this plane, and then as you, the physical body dies, you transition a little bit, and then you move on to the planes of consciousness, and it goes on and on. Mm-hmm. Let's see... All right. They begin to reference mathematical table of conversions. And then we get into the good stuff, the stuff that I really like. They said light as a carrier beam, as well as signal waves will be combined. So the intention was to use a laser, which was the light, and to mix sound with it. And this was going to be the signal that was going to shoot from this uh, parabolic-looking antenna into the air, out into the ethers, out into the universe. It was going to be received by some of the advanced civilizations, and it was going to be relayed by them on and on and on up until it reached wherever heaven is. So, not to interrupt, I don't want to slow slow you down here, Keith, but... You say that this signal sent out to other civilizations. Did you, is that what you just said? I just want to make sure I'm not yes. misquoting you. Very, very uh, specifically. Um, in fact, uh, by all means, jump in because we need to make this more interesting. Um, <laughs> so, so they actually, there's yeah. some pretty cool stuff. So we've heard about like full moons. By the way, I think it's a full moon tonight. I don't know if you noticed. But um, full moons and you know astronomy and other types of... Uh, how should I say, intergalactic uh, conditions affect communication and energy. And let's see. They had specifically set, they would be guided sometimes to specifically do things at certain times or certain dates. The reason was given because that was the best prime condition for the communication to take place. There were actually windows of opportunity, kind of like, how you know NASA when they when they launched the, the shuttles and the rockets, I've heard that they have different measures for determining that also rather than just you know, let's do it on Tuesday. They have all these conditions and they look at. Um, I've heard that they look interplanetary uh, and cosmic yeah. influences. Yeah. Any questions on that? Well, I mean, uh, yeah. Okay, so we're we're talking about. Because what was said was that, you know, there's a signal sent to other civilizations. Are we specifically, I guess, just talking about heaven, these heavenly beings? Or are we talking about other races, other planets? Other other races, other planets, and other okay. constellations. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm sorry. I'm, so, I'm trying to keep it together here. So Yeah, uh, it, it is a little complex. So essentially, okay. it appears... Uh, heaven is, I don't want to say at the top because it's the wrong representation, I think. It's 
it's beyond the planes of existence which the other beings would so it's like this let's see how do i do this um i'm trying to think of a good analogy say like you want to get from one to ten or, or you know you have to span 30 feet with five people one person stands you know three feet in the next one stands you know six feet in like you know if you're trying to put lights in your ceiling at home or something you try to measure it out and figure out how, how far from the wall correct yes it's like that they're saying that this is a a cooperative effort between these councils and these science teams in the etheric realms and other beings in other civilizations and or dimensions to where they would help carry the signal they would relay it kind of basically you know like put a, a wireless extender out that a repeater Repeater, right. repeater. Um, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I mean, I, I just said I was a little unclear. So okay, I'll shut up. <laughs> that was not at all. That's but that's well, we'll we'll talk about that in a minute because that's kind of mind blowing. But um, I'm sorry. Let's let's move let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> it's this is pretty interesting. Okay, yes, so they, they make they make a reference which we can all relate to. They talk about death and transition, and they say. Uh, so-and-so in the audience, you know, what, what do you think the first thing is that happens when, you know, John Smith dies? And they say, well, John Smith will see his, his, his life. He'll review his life. And an interesting thing that they said was if he remembered his past lives or should we say has already reconciled with them, there might not be any need to review any lives, which I found very interesting. So they're saying that if you evolved enough or say some people think of it as karma. You know, If you have reconciled your karma to a certain point, you may not need to review anything. You're just like, let me out of here. I'm ready to go. I thought it was interesting that they, that they mentioned that. Yeah, I mean, you can... I've often thought that same idea as far as uh, the idea of reincarnation. Is it just this, this, this scholarly thing we're doing as a celestial being, let's say, Assuming that we are, right? And, you know, yeah, you are reincarnated. You have all these past lives. If you've learned, if you do like, you know, run A, let's call it a run, which would be your life, you know, run A, B, C, D, and you have already taken the time to learn from what mistakes you made in those past lives, a, like in this case, run A, B, C, and D, whatever it may be. You've taken that time to reflect on that already, and you've learned from that. And whatever gauge that's out there that determines that you've learned from that gives you the green light, let's say. Why mm-hmm. waste your time? <laughs> really, why waste your yeah. time when you've already done that? I agree. You know, I think it's like the Atkins diet. Okay. <laughs> I'm dying to hear this. Go ahead. <laughs> because I think that it's simply a tool of learning. For example, there's the, there's the Atkins diet, in which then became the low-carb diet. There's the low-sugar diet. There's the low-fat diet. In the end, they're all trying to accomplish the same, same thing. They just want to lose weight and be healthy. That's true. I, I, I think reincarnation is, is a, a teaching construct that was provided or that we have created in order to help us understand time and how it doesn't exist. Yes. That's my personal feeling, opinion anyway. This that that's not from Project St. Peter. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I took us into the weeds probably with this Don't, thing already. Oh, no, no, no. Don't get mad at me, St. Peter. 
(laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's see. So moving on. Here's the interesting thing. President John F. Kennedy says, and you're going to like this area too. He says, if you just take a spaceship and you think you're just going to go fly out into the Netherlands or whatever to get to paradise or heaven or the etheric planes, there's no guarantee you would make it there in one piece. There's no guarantee you would ever come back. Does that remind you of anything? Uh, a movie. Yeah, um, oh, the Philadelphia experiment. Oh, the Philadelphia experiment. Yeah. Well, that and that, for some reason I was thinking Interstellar, Interstellar too. Yeah. It, well, that's because that, you're that's deal- a good one. Because you're dealing with relativity also, and but yeah, too. yeah, Philadelphia yeah. experiment. Yeah. 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 Philadelphia sure. experiment is the exact that that applies actually closer than than a movie like Interstellar. Yeah. Yeah, I agree 100 percent with that, Keith. Mm-hmm. And so that that's referenced in here, and again we're only in, in page 41. President John F. Kennedy also says that within a short period of time after death, um, some people can come back and visit their loved ones. He actually gave a ratio, which is interesting too, because when I look at the legitimacy of things like this, you have to wonder. He says the ratio of time in heaven to time, actually time on earth to time in heaven was 14 to 1. Whoa. I believe that was meaning, so if three days pass here, that means in heaven it might be like you know, three hours. They specifically gave a number, which is interesting. And there, there are a lot of numbers like this, which I'm hoping at some point when somebody reads it, they're going to start to get out the calculator and they're going to start to look and see. Not that particular item, but and their and items we'll, as it, they relate to relativity. Yeah, I'm going to say that, that, that's relativity also. I'm, I didn't – well, okay. Yeah, that's very interesting to hear that. Let's see. <clears throat> so basically – President John F. Kennedy stated that, you know, once somebody transitioned, you know, once you die, that they might not be aware that they died, which, of course, we know this these days, right? This was 33 years ago. It wasn't as common to talk about back then. Mm-hmm. Let's keep that in mind as we progress. And sometimes they would be taken to the gates of harmony and they would be met by angelic ministers. Now, I notice there's a lot of symbolism in this Project St. Peter. Everything shouldn't be taken literally. Just like, well, I don't know if I should say that, but just like the Bible. It's, it's symbolic lessons that um, we have to learn from. Mm-hmm. It says, then the light in that soul is assimilated into universal consciousness, and then it is registered. There's that word again. Yep. In the corridor of divine light as officially having passed from physical form to a state of ephemeral separation. Big words. And, you know, there's another interesting thing. So he mentioned that this transition after death may require three days of earth time. Now, don't you find it interesting? uh, Of course, we know that, you know, Jesus died and came back within three days. Oh, yeah. And I've noticed that uh, there's some really strange synchronicities here that I believe are all, they're not not coincidences. Um, I'm aware of stuff with physical mediumship where, you know, transmutation, you ever heard of that? Where you will basically, ch- like alchemy, you'll change the shape or formation, chemical atomic structure of something into something else. Correct, yep. What's interesting with some of those things in, these, uh, in physical mediumship, it's known that if you take an object like a crystal and you put it into a certain area or space where you project love or energy into it and to have the desired effect to charge it basically there's also a minimum of three days for that 
I think the number of three days is uh, quite interesting, and I think it's going to come up again. Okay. Let's see. Gather my next thoughts. At this point in time, President John F. Kennedy turned it over to another illustrious guest, Dr. Albert Einstein. So now, but before he does, JFK says, the one of the devices, the Angel One is what it's called. It's described as an enormous amount of energy necessary to propagate light through eons of light years. It's basically where they take a laser beam, they shoot it, they use a, um, a little thing that, like a mirror that splits the beam, brings it around and back onto itself. So it's essentially a laser feedback loop, mm-hmm. which I find very interesting also because this was this is before video ITC. Oh, it was probably around that time that they were just working with video ITC and didn't necessarily understand how it worked. Let's see. So President John F. Kennedy exits. Dr. Albert Einstein enters. He refers to the group that he is working with as Lifeline. He refers to them as messengers of advanced intelligences. They take their directions from the divine corridor of light. He says a Presidio Council is where they translate. With This is where this gets very interesting too. Is where they translate with high-order intelligent advantages. And basically, they look at the big picture, and I'm like, why do they use that wording? Are you saying that, you know, you're having a council meeting with aliens? Are you saying that it, the choice of words was not just, hey, we had a meeting at the council. Mm-hmm. It was high-order intelligent advantages, which yeah. I found very interesting. Yeah, so I just get this they? picture. <laughs> I get this picture of these councils from all the interstellar, you know, and galactic federations together, but they're just not saying that, I think, because the, the time timing was not appropriate and it would have misled people to think of something different. These days I think we're pretty open to it. Yeah, I started getting images of Star Wars right away, like when they're having their galactic <laughs> council and all the different beings sitting around in there. Yeah, I did too. And I, I think you know, I think also that as we read this, I think you know how when a, a singer sings or you know rock stars, musicians, how you feel the music or you feel the words? I think that there's some telepathy going on. And I think that when we read things like this, I actually believe that the choice of words used in channeled materials such as this could potentially be encapsulated messages. Oh, I like so that, that. Yeah. So that when we read it, you feel it and you, you start to paint this image. You start to create this, this, uh, this understanding, this world. Well, and those are the greatest writers. That's what they. That's what they've been able to. That's what they do with words. Mm. They Wordless. make you. They make you feel it, right? Def- so, what better tool? I mean, as far as what we're talking about right now, you know, in in that aspect, um, you know, what a better tool to use to teach? Because you know, we're obviously talking about pretty big things here. Huge ideas. Mm-hmm. Someone, and this isn't questioning anybody's intelligence, but I don't think 
a lot of people could sit down and read this and well one take it seriously and that's not i mean let, let's be frank some pe- people are very skeptical right um mm-hmm. but they also may not just not even understand it because the concepts we're discussing right now there i mean i'll admit it and i don't know what amber how amber feels but i'll admit it openly that some of the stuff's kind of hard to get your mind around oh yeah to, to try to understand yeah. it and that's not a bad thing that's a good thing why not without a a doubt yeah it it is very interesting um yeah because as i'm reading it i'm like okay you know one of a couple one of three things is true number one somebody somebody took the time to fake the whole story and see as we as we go and we look at this we're gonna see how consistent are they were they consistent in january of 86 as they were in february of 87 yeah did their story change we'll look at all the the nuances and it'll be we'll get a feeling for you know what the truth actually is. So one one of three three options. Number one, they made it all up, which would be pretty impressive. Yeah, um, I, w- I would give them kudos just for being that impressive. And keep in mind I'm that creative. Um, <laughs> this is before the internet existed. Yeah, uh, this would be, uh, you know, the medium presented herself as just an average, uh, you know, person. Uh, it was a woman, and she would have had to have read, had to have been very knowledgeable, and had to have read a lot of books. In addition to that, she would have to have kept her story straight. So, and then when you start to look at, once we get into the physics and the science of it, that's where some of the more technical people might be able to look at it and say, "Hey, you know what? Oh yeah, we, you know, we know that." Or, "Hey, there's this one piece. You guys have heard of brain waves, right? So the alpha, the theta, beta, and gamma." Of course, yeah. yeah. I have a diagram of one of uh, their charts that actually mentions mentions epsilon, and I'd never heard of it, so I wanted to go out and look at it. And apparently, it's the next level down, so it's like very low and slow frequency below one of those. I don't remember the order of which they were, but my point is, I suspect that at some point in time there might be a couple of cases of somebody that pays attention and looks close. They're going to find something. That wasn't public knowledge, or may, maybe still not be public knowledge, but that they know and feel to be true. I'm hoping there'll be a couple things like that as we go. Yeah. I'd like to read a little bit from Dr. Albert Einstein now. Sure. <clears throat> and this is, quote, this is a word for word, <clears throat> Dr. Albert Einstein, as channeled through the telepathic medium. Should you personally feel that man is in need of another war? Would you take a moment from your busy schedules and place before time as consideration, place before money or currency in any form as consideration, the value of any action for peace other than idle rhetoric? This then is a bridge. This is what man has accomplished. He is building this craft that is to move through eons of light years and expects of his fellow man to find just the precise flight pattern. The correct trajectory, not only ascending the craft during lift, also guiding the vessel during the journey, the exploration, and the consequent return gently into the oceans. Why then does man still prefer the utilization of tools rather than instruments? End quote. And this is where it gets a little deep even for me. I'm like, what does he mean, tools? Why do we prefer tools over instruments? 
you know, this is a fascinating thing because I've often heard the word instrument in my my experiments or my radio radios. Uh, and this is people in spirit. It sounds like essentially what they're saying is, look, you got a lawnmower that mows grass, right? You can't think of it as just a lawnmower. You can't just think of it as something that has a function that just happens to do one thing. Whereas in every every single component of that lawnmower was designed with a purpose and a task in mind. They all have their own respective energies, and when it's all combined together, you know, it's it's like the out. It's like a cake. It's like a cake. It's like saying, "Here's the cake." but not realizing that it's a conglomeration of ingredients. For some reason, they stress very specifically throughout this entire project that the technical stuff is great, but it has to be combined with the spiritual teaching. It's like saying, um, let's see, so you remember an avatar. When they were would go and try to learn the culture of the people that they were living with. Yeah. It's kind of like that. They're indicating that you know, and they had the love for the, you know, Awa or the, 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 you know, the tree of life, as they call it. I think you guys would agree there was a lot of uh, interesting items in Avatar that seemed to me a little too coincidental with, with uh, real yeah. life sim- symbols to just be chance. Well, this idea also I find fascinating because... I've often pondered on this, and this is stuff that's been happening for up to right now as we speak. I find my mind wandering when it comes to these ideas. And the lawnmower is a very good example of that. As far as, I don't think people really, really, really appreciate the, you know, what something, what it does take for something to do what it does. And a lawnmower is a perfect example of that because, yeah, to most people, it just has a function. It, it cuts grass. Mm-hmm. That's it, right? Mm-hmm. Coming from being the grandson of a man who did lawnmower repair <laughs> in his retirement years, um, I got to learn on a technical level how these machines work. Now, that's not the point, though, right? Mm-hmm. Um when you do understand <clears throat> how a machine functions, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I and I and I and I'll quote this too from one of my favorite favorite authors, Neil Stevenson. One of the things he says about a machine is that you truly begin to understand how the machine functions when the machine fails. Right? Just food mm-hmm. for thought on that. Um, within that, though. I believe that that's how people begin to appreciate all of the ingredients that go into the cake, not that's just a good the cake word. itself. Appreciate, yeah, um, and that's the one. That's and that's my whole point here is I think people just expect their phones to work. People just mm-hmm. expect their cars to work. People just expect their lawnmowers to work. And when they break, um, especially nowadays, I think you know people kind of melt down. They don't know what to deal with because you know they don't. A, they don't have the knowledge, the technical knowledge, how to deal with it and fix the problem. And B, I think that, well, I think that really just stems from the fact that they don't appreciate, and this isn't, to, you know, I'm not ranting, but people don't appreciate 
what goes into making that combustion engine, all of the working parts in that, all of the all the foundries those metal pieces had to be made at. All, I mean, it, getting down to like just the nuts and bolts and screws, right? Um, that it takes to make that thing have this one sole function. That right, most- and I, I think we can we can also uh, draw a parallel into something that we understand better. It's there's two different way things. One is we know the Native Americans have ceremonies, and we know their ceremonies are for things that sometimes we would see as, well, if you want X to happen, why don't you just go do X? But instead, they have a whole ritual, a whole ceremony, a whole unfolding <coughs> and appreciation of whatever action it is that they're doing. Yeah. You know, the same as I recently asked, some people will get a kick out of this, I recently asked in a reading from a physical medium, um, most people would not know who that person is, so don't guess, <laughs> that um, I asked... I want to make machines, and I want to hear your voices through machines. Is it possible? I actually asked this from several different mediums. And I was told, I asked, how does it work? How are you changing the static in my faces and sound experiment? And they, I said, where's it happening? And they said, it's in the memory, deep in the memory. I said, well, why? And they said, this is hard for me to grasp. I don't remember the exact wording, but the essence was because the memory is always in a state of change in energy, right? So it's computers writing to memory and then sending it back and then writing to it and sending it back. It's, Correct. It's, it's just shooting stuff crap everywhere yeah. fast at a fast rate. Very fast. That it imitates life or organic matter in a sense. And I asked, well, what about my synthetic experiments where I hear, you know, I've, I've taking the basic sound of voice and i want to be able to understand it what does it work you know will it be able to work or am i just wishing and they indicated it's a combination of this is so hard to describe to people i'm helping create it with my desire and my love for just wanting to create it it's not just the machine it'll never just be a machine so it's a marriage between um people that's why some people um you know methods do affect evp but some people do seem to have we'll call you know better luck or better track record with evp it's actually a marriage of two systems we're part of their feedback loop and so i think that's the essence of what they're trying to get across here um for example this lecture is very strange because sometimes they they talk to people it's Almost as if you were a child, you know, it's really simplified. When referring to the Apollo or, or the space shuttle, Dr. Albert Einstein said, quote, it is a containment vehicle. It is the outer shell. Within would course the lifeblood of mortal men and women. The joy, the patriotism, the exuberance, the eagerness of a journey, an interstellar exuberation has been overcome by the rest. Not even a monkey could remain in this vessel should it continue to be defined upon the antiquity of arranging its body form with tools rather than instruments. End quote. That's kind of complicated. That's even hard for me to absorb. But he's saying the essence of it, just just like we say our body is just a shell. It's just a, a ship we're driving around. The same goes for any other technology that we use. 
And so that's a very important point well, yeah. that we're trying to make. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, I guess it is it this idea that I was saying that, you know, and I like that, like, you know, you know, and it's the same relationship. Um, you know, a lot of people, when it comes to information technology, you know, I've always said, you know, there's data, which is mm-hmm. data. It's just raw numbers, whatever it may be flying in front of you. And then there's information. Mm-hmm. And they're two very different entities because one is just a construct of what information is. You get information from data. That's how you make decisions. That's how you get statistics, right? When it comes to a tool and an actual instrument, right? It's the same idea. I think there's, yeah, there is, there's life behind that. I don't know any other, any mm-hmm. other way to really describe it. There's, there's a soul behind that. There's something happening that you can extrapolate information from, I guess. And in an instrument, you know, as according to what Einstein says, I, I kind of think this, feel the same way. That's what it makes me think about is, and you were talking about EVP and how some people have better track records. Well, yeah, because, I mean, and I've seen this before. I mean, in, in some experience, experiments we've done where people have, you know, spent all this money on equipment mm-hmm. to go out and try to capture EVP sounds. And um, they come out, well, first off, their attitudes are shit. <laughs> I've seen that too, <laughs> where... You know, it's it's really like you know hunting Moby Dick for them. You mm-hmm. know, I have to get I have to get me well or whatever, right? And it's not this idea of what is what is your intention here? You mm-hmm. know, do you just want to have something to to put on your website or sell to some TV thing or whatever? Maybe I mean I don't know, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't think that's a good in- intention, frankly. Or are you truly interested in this? Is it something that mm-hmm. You know, you know what that reminds me of fishing. Reminds there. me of fishing. Yeah. Now, now, it, speaking for myself, um, I like fishing, and however, I find this need. There's been a couple times where, say, I caught something, and uh, this one time I caught a shark, and Whoa. I was uh, working on the fish, which I always say, yeah. and I suddenly found out that there were a bunch of little baby sharks in it. Oh. And I felt bad because I realized, well, am I going to fire, put these on the grill and fire them up? No. So what did I just do? I just, I just showed a lack of appreciation for life. And then, you know, there are other people who fish and they have the attitude that it's, it's within the bounds of, of natural law. It, it's there by evolution and created by God for that purpose. And you know, that's what that reminds me of. It's kind of the same thing. It's the perception and the way in which you approach it. Yeah, it, it's your attitude. You know, mm. I think to me, especially when it comes, especially when it comes to animals now too, in that attitude, where I think some people think that they're just entitled to, you know, look, these animals were put here for us to kill and eat. Which, look, I understand what survival is. I get that, and I know that at a certain point there, there's been. A, very big points or blocks of our time where that you shooting that buck out, you know, on the frontier, wherever it may be, was going to either was going to determine whether you survived or not. Mm. That to me. Yeah, I get that. Right. 
Um, but I think it is this attitude you're talking about um, where it's this entitlement attitude, I guess, where, well, it's just a, so what? So what if it's a, because that right there, I would have cried. <laughs> I won't mm-hmm. lie. I would have cried my eyes out even seeing that. Um, and yeah, I would have cat. I, I would have done the exact same thing, Keith. Catch and release. Like this is a mother, dude. I'm not well, doing that. I'm not I'll, doing. I'll that, be honest. It's, it's something that I'm still evolving towards. So yeah, I I felt that that was wrong, and I regretted it. Yeah, and I still catch fish, but I'm becoming. I'm progressing more and more towards not keeping anything that isn't going to be really tasty. Or <laughs> yeah, you know, then I'm like, then I'm like, why am I ripping a you know a hook through this fish's mouth because I think it's enjoyable. So. It's. I'm still struggling internally with it. To be honest, with we you. all are. But I think we. Yeah. I mean, when it, I mean, I'm sorry. We're. I don't want to go too far in the weeds, but I think. <laughs> I think. I think a lot of us. I'm. I'm struggling with the same thing, Keith. When it comes to life mm-hmm. and other life forms on this planet, in the last couple of years, especially, it's been something I've been internally trying to understand. And you know, as far as Christ Jesus eating meat for God's sake, you know, n- yeah, knowing what happens, unfortunately, and knowing how some people just have this attitude where, you know, I've often said that about people and now, you know, we've been cat owners here now for like the last eight or nine months, which makes me an expert. Right. And, and I've often said, I've noticed this with dog owners and I, you know, I hope I'm not offending you or anybody else in the listening audience, but something I've noticed with a lot of dog owners is it. And I've, I've seen this quote before too, where, I think a lot of people get a dog because they want to be something to look at them as a god. Like, mm. and that's what I, I think a lot of people need. That they need this animal to to you know worship them, and you know because they are the food source, <clears throat> and right. and they have to have that feeling of godliness around some creature. Cats, of course, aren't like that. They can give a shit about you. <laughs> they don't care about you. <laughs> <Right>. But <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so. I, you know, that, but that attitude to me really disturbs me. It's like, no, the way I feel about a relationship, if you're going to have a pet, and I say that in quotes, and it's something that I've, you know, I've adopted that attitude, I think, is just that animal belongs as much, you belong as much to that animal as that animal belongs to you. That this is a partnership, this is a relationship. And it's, and, and, I'm gonna, I don't want this to be taken the wrong way, but and it's an intimate relationship too because it's a relationship of love between mm-hmm. two creatures, right? <clears throat> so based on well, that... Yeah, yeah, when, I, when I first started out, when I was younger, when I was 18, yeah, I was not aware that animals were as intelligent as people. I was actually ignorant. And, I mean, a lot um, of people... Because uh, I, I, didn't see, I didn't see interactions with animals in that way. And then I began to realize the error of my ways and now i look at my my puppy yeah and i say you know she's becoming we are telepathic like we can actually communicate without anything and as i become you know closer to her she's actually learning to speak she's actually trained her to speak so i'm evolving she's evolving yeah it seems that's that's the genuine intention at the end and i evolve together and i call that this great mystery of communication between us, these upright bipedals, and our furry little friends. Because mm. we all have those relationships. And we all, I think we all would, if we had one wish, I think, 
it maybe a lot of us would say, I want to be able to have a two-way communication or conversation with my cat or my dog. Mm-hmm. I want to know what they really think about me because they probably hate you. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, but I mean, at least in, at least in regards to cats. But I mean, I, I going back to that though, it's, I think it is that relationship. It, it, it is something where, yeah, you do grow together. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think a lot of people, then it goes back to that attitude where I think a lot of people just look at, Dogs, especially, I think, are just looked at as really a commodity. Right. So, but, I yeah. mean, you look at the human race, and uh, we're, even as we evolve, we're okay with one animal being killed and eaten, but not another. And then as we evolve, the one day, are we going to be worried about eating plants? They're, that's life. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, as we evolve, we just keep evolving, you know, forward and forward. Yeah, and our, percep- and our perception changes. Sorry, I'm going to, let's get out of the woods <laughs> or the weeds. So, where were no we? I'm sorry. Where were we at here? Oh, well, we're about to finish up here okay. in, in a minute. So we're going to talk about two different things. Yeah, we're going to we're going to take a somber note here, out of respect. Um, speaking of life, this project St. Peter was took place less than thirty days after the space shuttle Challenger disaster in 1986. Yes, and this space shuttle Challenger is mentioned multiple times in this material. Um, there are references, we haven't gotten to them yet, that indicate um, mistakes that were made that could have led to you know, those disasters, that it could have been avoided, essentially. Mm-hmm. And you know, they, they probably didn't want to focus on, talk about it too much, because they didn't want to divert the attention away from the ultimate message, which is what we were just talking about, yeah. an appreciation for life during communication. Um, let's see. So Dr. Albert Einstein references the quarter of light and says it is a measured distance. It can be calculated. Um, he says scientists would understand a proper ratio of photons and nuclear activities. And that photons will be generated by a combination of equipment. Let's see. He makes another very specific reference. He says they're going to create a signal wave. And this is the wave that's going out into the into outer space that's on its way to heaven or whatnot. Or, you know, they're using these as symbols, but they're probably, uh, I mean, it sounds like it's literal, but I think some of it's meant to be symbols. Like we think of outer space as like we would take our arm and we would point to the sky and say out there. But the truth is everything's overlaid to some degree on top of each other. You know, yeah. some multiple dimensions and whatnot. So heaven can be right where you're standing, really. Um, he mentions, he references a signal wave and says it will move and progress approximately six, eight, the length of the light. So he's talking about the wavelength of light that's going to be used in the laser, the frequency, and he's talking about the sound that's going to be added to it. And he's basically stating that it is by design. It's an equation. It's a, it's a calculation. He says that the angel one as an instrument was approved by paradise 15 years prior that was, of course, around the time George Meek began Science Foundation. Mm-hmm. So they were saying that, that they'd been preparing for it all along. Let's see. And now we're going to finish with three paragraphs from Dr. Albert Einstein as channeled through the telepathic medium. Quote, I, Dr. Albert Einstein, should now like to begin your journey with Angel One and the manner in which we shall hope to refine its capacity to function 
as a light year instrument of translating time and naturally a message in a typewritten and advanced technology monitor manner. It is as simple as that, end quote. In English, what he just said was, we're going to time travel and our messages are going to appear on your computer screens. That was the translation of that. Okay. Two more paragraphs. Quote, energy. Energy is not disciplined. Energy is not controlled. Energy is lovingly taught to conform. It may not produce on command, and all fail-safe systems may become effective if they are overloaded. Energy. Energy is boundless in its shape, in its form, and that which is matter upon the face of the earth would come a different shape, a different form of energy above the celestial planes. End quote. This is some complex stuff. I feel like I should be a college teacher. So here this last <laughs> paragraph, he's saying, you don't just push energy around and make it do what you want. You, you focus on it. It's like art. It's like Tai Chi. It's like Qigong. It's like karate. It, it's a, it's a, a, a discipline. You don't just push it around and think it's just going to happen. You don't walk into a room and say, okay, where are you, ghost? You know, shout into my meter. They're saying that things as complex as this, things as complicated as trying to communicate with another dimension have many facets and they're very complicated. The last paragraph he states in a very complex way, I must admit, that anything that we create, anything which is matter here on Earth, exists in the celestial planes in a different form. Okay, so he's actually talking in a scientific way. He's talking about what we think of as harmonics. So if I go, ah, and somewhere in heaven, somebody just said, what the hell was that? <laughs> 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 then uh, they're saying that if I create a laser right here and I do something with it and it moves upwards toward the heavens, it resonates, it ripples into the celestial planes and appears as a different shape. And that is the end of Radio Show Part Two. Wow, I'm glad, <laughs> no, and I'm glad you took the lead on this because I mean, I really was able to sit back and observe, mm -hmm. you know. And of course, I'm I, I got Amber's like kind of keeping me at bay here because, yeah, I had a comment, I had a thought process about everything that we were talking about here, um, as far as an observation on this. Um, go ahead, Amber. Well, and all this is going to be available on uh, your website. We'll have links to, but right now it's just Lab One is the only thing available for people to download, correct? Yes. Okay. Lab One through Five will be uploaded the second we end this conversation. Okay. Um, you know, our website, mm, there's shortcomings, shall we say? Right. I'd say go to idigitalmedium.com. You know, the easiest way, go to Google. Type in Project St. Peter. Yeah, it's going to come up number one. Yeah. Second link. Yeah. Because that's, a, you know, that's another sign that it's super rare. Nobody's ever heard of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, yeah, so we'll be working on that. And, you know, if anybody out there wants to, says, hey, I'm a computer maestro, I would like to donate and volunteer my time to help you guys get this stuff out faster, then by all means, you know where to reach out to us. But, um, yes, it's going to be up and available. I'm going to put a link to the summary as i call it um, the annotations that you see me making and talking about as well as project 
St. Peter Labs 1 through 5. Now, I have an advantage in that I can take a book to work. I work at a law firm. I can plop that thing in that copy machine, press a button, and boop, 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 that whole book scans in like (laughs) three minutes. Nice. Yeah. Um, So in regards to that, Keith, um, I would like to help you with that too. Oh, I'm I'm game for helping too. Any type of digitization. Well, yeah, we have the resources and the knowledge here also. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. And well, we're close enough. We're close enough to Tim and Tim's actually coming over next weekend. Is it next oh, weekend really? or two weekends from now? Next weekend. Divine, divine timing. Yep. Well, yeah. So, we, I mean, that's something we can talk about yeah, we can later talk on. Him. But it's something you mentioned, and I don't want to forget to say it. So, I'm just going to say it in the middle of the show. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, I, but no. I'm not in a hurry to, to end the show. By all means, no, we can chat now. But or, yeah, it is two weeks away. I'm sorry. It is it two weeks yeah, away? It is, it's not, yeah, it's not, the, well, yeah, not this coming having, week, yeah. next week. They're coming over. We, yeah, we got, yeah. Yeah. So that's something, as far as that's concerned, yeah, we'd love to help you guys out with that. And that's something that, we, again, we can chat about later on. But by, by any means, I mean, yeah. so, of course, you know, would I rather just sit on my couch and watch, you know, Game of Thrones? Of course I would. And most days I do. <laughs> um, these days I've got this, I got this stomach issue. I I'd actually had to do this whole interview standing up, which is quite a pain. But oh, my goodness. Good for me. Yeah. But, um. So we got to do this fundraiser. It was a little stressful trying to figure this out because I said, what are we going to do with all this crap? Am I going to fill up my garage? I mean, so the plan is we're going to divvy it up amongst the three of us. I call us the three pillars. But We have relationships not only with – see, what we're trying to do is when we create iDigital Medium, we said we want to help preserve stuff. We see stuff that there will be a website. Somebody will transition. You know, They'll die. Boom, the website gone all that good stuff gone a whole lifetime of work gone and so we we don't like to see that and so some people would say well you're living in the past you're going to get all these old boxes of spiritcom and all this old meta science stuff and you're just going to spend all your energy on that and my answer to that is you know look at anything any history we have don't people usually get upset when they look back and say well what happened to it all you're like oh it went in the trash yeah yeah, so, I mean, this stuff has been some of this stuff has been sitting in boxes for 33 years. So we have no idea what condition the tapes are going to be in. You know, we're just very upfront and truthful about it. We're at the point now where we've already got four or five websites and we're like, we've, we've sacrificed. We, we spend a lot, a lot of money and time. And we got to the point to where we're just trying to survive ourselves. It's like, yeah, you know, if we're going to do this, if we're going to move together with a new website, and we're all going to work on it together, because that's that's literally the symbolism of us working together on one project is actually as important as the project itself. It's about what can we do together. Um, so we're trying to figure out a way to merge a lot of our stuff. So I digital medium would probably be the creative wing of MetaScience. It would be the experimental wing. And that paranormal study would be sort of an offshoot, you know, of the paranormal topics. At the end of the day, we just want people to learn. I mean, we just don't think this stuff should be thrown away. And so we have relationships with other organizations, too. And there's things have been occurring. And so MetaScience Foundation is actually sort of our first fledgling project that may turn out as a case study in the future. We hope that 30, 40 years from now, there will be 50 or 100 websites that we just took snapshots of 
everybody's dead and gone. And here are these websites still right there and available with the yeah. information on it that you want to find. Yeah, and, and really, there's there's only so much that like the Wayback Machine can do. For example, right? You know, actually, <coughs> excuse me, sorry about that. Um, capturing that, capturing it as it was before, or you know, well, capturing it as it was in its final form. Let's say, because as we know, like a website, for example, I mean, it's it's always a work in progress. Um, but yeah, we have I have seen websites kind of go dark. And they just stop making updates or whatever it might be. And that's, mm-hmm. I guess, what you're talking about, where you want to capture that and not lose these things. Yeah, well, like iDigital Medium, it's it's almost dark. It's there. I guess people enjoy it. But it's uh, the, the funny thing about human nature is people change and we evolve. Very few people could spend their entire lives working on one individual thing. And so I see a future where, <coughs> you know, say we make an agreement with you. You've got an awesome website. People have been going to it for years. It's got PDF books. It's got all kinds of stuff. And yeah. The copyright expired. And we make an agreement with you. We press a button. It takes a snapshot of your website. You die. We have an agreement. We put it into effect. We press a button. That website is now a self-contained like virtual machine that exists in one area of our website. Yeah. That's what... I hope will happen in the future. We're just not there yet. Well, and these are and these are you know websites have become, especially mm-hmm. the older sites, they have become these documents, so to say. Um, and I think people do, you know, at least with old documents like you're talking about, half a warehouse full of stuff. That's something physical. At least it's something physical. I should say, it's mm-hmm. it's something you can you can actually hold in your hand, and that does give it some. I would say, uh, I don't know. I would, it, it's tangible. It's just yeah, credibility. But it's ta- it's tangible. I mean, credibility is one way to look at it, but it, it's just a tangible thing. So you're less prone to like let's. And yeah, I know. Well, I'm, I'm not everybody, but yeah, you people. Some people just burn stuff, right? A website. I think people don't look at it the same way as far as information is concerned. Um, it's just a website. It's not a real thing. Right. It's 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 a real thing. It's it's it's. Uh, to me, it is. It's. I mean, Ghostly Talks a website, for example, and it's. It's been a uh, a focal point of our lives, whether we were active or not active, for for almost twenty years now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right. It's been a work of passion. It's made us happy. It's made it sad. Made us sad. It's made us frustrated. Uh, so it's a very, very real thing. Um, but really, what it is, though, is it, it's just this. <laughs> It's this conglomeration of uh, of binary, <laughs> whatever it might be, code. I mean, it's just it's HTML. It's all types of things, right? So, it's so a lot of people look at websites like that. Well, it's just a website. And I'm like, no, right. websites are. They've well, been when, uh, you know once people transition or once the information becomes outdated, like for example, you could reduce iDigital Medium down to three databases. And probably 45 PDF files. And you could wipe the website out and nobody would ever know because that was the essence of it. Yeah. But, um, oh, I forgot what else I was going to say. Darn, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could reduce the site down to, like you say, I mean, down to its fundamentals, its essence, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but that doesn't, that don't cover the fact that I'm, and I know you feel the same way, Keith. Oh. What, what you put into it. I remembered. Yeah. There's another reason why I'm, I'm doing this. Like I said, I would much rather just sit around and do my own experiments, play with things, push knobs, watch TV, yeah. be lazy, study music, all these things. 
But Spiritcom, okay, Spiritcom's what started it all. The experiments that I do, I hear Spirit people, and they still call it Spiritcom. I don't know why, but in their minds it is Spiritcom. Yeah. If it's communication with the spirit world and machines are used for it to take place, for some reason they call it, they perceive it as Spiritcom, like that's their name. It's kind of flattering, like what I do is not particularly Spiritcom, but that's how they see it, but... Well, it's what a, I see, what I see is that the, the name of Metascience was tarnished a little bit. Yeah. Um, there, there have been people that looked at, at Spiritcom, and you know, we've analyzed some of the characteristics of Bill O'Neill and and his psych, his uh, mental state, you know, psychological profile, and I could tell you, the whole story was not given, and so we have. There, there is so much information we're waiting to share, and it's going to be amazing. We have. Video. We have audio tapes of um, people going to visit Bill O'Neill, describing everything he did, everything he said. Um, he was a human and he had issues like we all do. But there were moments when he was in tune with spirit. He would stand in a room and he would move his body around and try to influence the, fee- the feedback loop that was coming through the radio. He was using his body as an antenna. Most people don't know that Spiritcom was designed as a biofeedback system. It wasn't just a machine that played tones. He was a part of the system. And so I think that there's a little bit of initiative in me to, for us to just release more about that story so he isn't just chalked up as somebody who was alone and none of it was legitimate. Yeah. And I, I feel that I'm better positioned to do that than most people because – I've done what Bill O'Neill did, and I've tried to reverse engineer um, electrolarynx and things like that. And that's how I run my synthetic experiments. They're actually imitations of human voice. So I would just say that the whole picture has not been given. The whole story has not been told. And that's part of the reason why we do it. I am looking forward to us talking again about this. But it sounds like we're going to be having some conversations Um very soon here, which I hope we do, because I'd like, I know Amber's excited about this too, and we'd like to help out in any way we can. So that's something we'll talk about off the show. But Keith, I want to thank you again for taking the time here and, you know, us discussing part two of Project St. Peter. And we don't really have, as I've said before to the people listening, we don't really have much of a schedule on this thing. This was kind of, this one came about, I think I may have just fired you an email and said, hey, uh, <laughs> are you ready to do part two? I mean, hey, we can do whatever you want. I'm just wondering where you're at. And you're like, oh, yeah, we can get that together. <laughs> you know, so it's you know, it's not something we're on some rigid schedule, and I'm I'm cool with that. I like that, frankly, because, you know. Yeah, I just had to accept that this is probably going to take years. It's going to be a slow little fire that, that catches on. And yeah. and you guys were, were kind enough to take the – initiative and when i mentioned it you said sure we'll do it yeah and this, it. Is, this is exciting that's why you know we don't know where this is going to go we have none of us know i don't think you do i don't think tim does no. but this is something that's exciting to us it's it's thought-provoking and that's the reason we're all you know involved in whatever capacity we are right now so i am personally i think we have everything to look forward to when it comes to this thing now and um, yeah, we're just we're just gonna we'll get to part three when we get to it. I guess <laughs> we'll get to it. When part we, when part we get three to it, of yeah. seventy four. Yeah, <laughs> no, it thank- might it might actually turn out to be that. And then when you're done, 
somebody's going to say, you know what? That would make a good TV series. <laughs> right. Oh, you know yeah, what? Hey. And then we might have another whole influx like White Noise. You know, White Noise, I don't think it was flattering to the world of spirit by any means. No. Think, you know, but the effect it had on the world was astronomical and everybody knows it. So just imagine what something would happen if, say, just the story of meta-science alone was told. People would have no idea. It's got everything from, like I said, you know, lasers to uh, advanced civilizations to uh, uh, possession to um, book burnings, all kinds of crazy stuff you would not believe. <laughs> yeah. And it's all real on fiction. Keith, thank you again. And we'll be talking really soon. Thank you, guys. We appreciate it. See you next show. Ghostly Talk! <laughs>